Welcome to the Creatives on Fire show, a podcast for writers, storytellers, and anyone who creates for a living or a passion project. I'm Nadine Tomlinson, your host. Join me as I speak with various creators and professionals who will share their experience, tips, and strategies to help you unlock your creativity, create the thing you've been thinking about, and keep that creative fire burning. Today, I'll be chatting with Kevin Clark, a communications and marketing professional who has been working in these areas for over a decade at various levels. A proud Jamaican, he was born and raised in Kingston, Jamaica, but spent an adventurous childhood in the cool hills of Manchester. When he's not doing work in communication and social media, he enjoys swimming, traveling around Jamaica, and occasionally somewhere around the globe. He also likes to cook, shop, and read a good book. Kevin has a master's degree in communication, media, and public relations from the University of Leicester and is a member of the Jamaica National Toastmasters Club. Hello, Kevin. Welcome. It's so good to have you on the show. Hey, Nadine. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm really excited about all that you're going to share with us today. I am too. (laughs) (laughs) So for starters, um, let's talk about how your public speaking experience began. How did your Toastmaster journey begin? Okay, well, my Toastmaster journey began in 2011. Prior to that, I had heard about Toastmasters, but I really had no understanding of what it was. Okay. And in 2011, I was going through some very positive changes in my life. Um, That's the year when I changed jobs for the first time in my career because I had spent six years at one place before Mm -hmm. and then I was now transitioning to somewhere else. And it was when I transitioned, my new boss said to me, "Um, Kevin, our team just founded a club and we would love if you could be a member. It would really help you and help us, especially with the previous experience that I had. And so I started going to meetings, learned so much about the club and the movement and just what it does. And I officially became a member in January 2012. Okay, wow. <laughs> um, I, I love that. And, you know, just listening to you, I can, I can hear the influence. I mean, I know that I've heard you um, before in your previous um, in your previous work experience, right. but but um, I'm I'm hearing it. I'm I'm hearing the influence. You know, I'm hearing the experience. So um, and I just find it so fascinating that you know it's like everything lined up. You changed jobs, and then you know someone referred. You know, recommended this to you. You know, so yeah, I yeah, I, I, I love the timing of that. And and that was important because on the face of it, most people would think he doesn't need it. You know, he worked in broadcasting, he speaks well. But 
through the journey, I was able to identify something specific to my own needs and something to take me to another level. So, uh, you know, people sometimes feel that public speaking or even joining a club like Toastmasters is not for them because they know they see other people doing well. But really, it takes you from where you are and builds you from there. And we're all starting at different places. So that's yes. one of the things yes. that I loved about the experience. Okay, wonderful. wonderful. So you, you speak so well, Kevin, um, but I know that it's human for us to, to get nervous from time yes. to time. How, yes. how do you use any nerves you may feel to your advantage when you have to speak in public? Well, I actually see nerves as a good thing because it means, first of all, that you're alive. <laughs> <laughs> you're alive. Yes, you know? so, yes. that's a, so that's the first takeaway for me, and that's the first thing that I use, um, think about when I'm focusing on my nerves. And I personally try to center it. You know, I try to see how big is this challenge and how big are my nerves. And for me to win, one has to be bigger, and it cannot be my nerves. It, wow. it has to be the my willingness to overcome the challenge. Yes. And uh, one of the, uh, thankfully, in my journey, I had already conquered the battle of dealing with nerves because while I was in college, preparing and doing broadcasting, I was also minoring in music. So there came times when I had to do uh, recitals and sing in front of audiences and. Right. If you think public speaking is one thing, imagine performing <laughs> for the first time in front of an audience who you oh, don't have any idea how they will receive what you're singing. Exactly. So I had to deal with nerves in that way. And the funny thing about nerves is that it manifests itself in different ways. So at that time, how my nerves used to manifest itself was that my left or right leg would just shake uncontrollably. Mm. My voice was steady. My shoulders were fine. I was looking up. I was doing everything, hitting the notes, but my leg would just shake uncontrollably. And those close enough to me on a um, um, nearer stage would see it. Yes. But yes. it was something that I had to deal with. But I appreciate nerves because at the same time, while it, um, you know it's there, it also keeps you in check. And having worked in broadcasting for long and being very used to a microphone you may have the tendency to be complacent so I became very aware of the microphone and whatever I was doing and knew that I needed to you know just be mindful. Don't ever forget what you're doing or what you're saying. And the nerves kind of keeps you in check in that way. So that's one of the things that I always use to put it in focus. You know, that, hey, nerves will come no matter how experienced you are. It's a good thing. But at the same time, use it to ground you in whatever you're doing. You know, no matter how big the speech is or how small it is, use your nerves to ground you into seeing that you have a mission. It helps you to focus on the realness of what you're doing. I really appreciate you for saying all of that, um, <laughs> Kevin, because you know, I've, I've seen this quote 
on social media before, you know, do it afraid. And, you know, just listening to everything that you said, um, you know, that is what that is what came to my mind, that even though you're feeling those nerves, um, use them do it your, anyway. Yeah, right. Do it anyway. Use it yeah. to your advantage. And there is wisdom in your in your words, Kevin, because I think that you mentioned the word complacent. You know, I'm just thinking, um, well, I would feel nervous if I don't feel nervous, you know, because <laughs> <laughs> because I think then, you know, you you probably become too overconfident. Mm-hmm. And, and that's when mm-hmm. you, you make mistakes. But if, yes. you, if you can, if you can learn how to channel that, that energy, yes. um, you, you know, it, it, it can do wonders for you. Yeah. Um, it, it, you know, it, it's, it's so funny that you mentioned the shaking bit because, um, well, I think that that happened to me only, only once. And I, you know, it, it really, it really terrified me. I really was wondering what was going on because I had no control over, over my, well, it was my hand. I had mm-hmm. no control over it. So, mm-hmm. you know, just when, when you said that, um, I could relate. <laughs> I, could, I could relate, you know, and I'm sure that those who are listening, they, they, you know, they, they won't feel so embarrassed. Yeah, yeah, you shouldn't. I mean, the nerves help you to be a little more self-aware, but yeah. that's good. Yes. And unfortunately, many people when approaching the job of public speaking, the biggest fear people have is about messing up. Exactly. They're afraid of messing up. And the fact is that it's unreasonable for you to believe that you are going to be perfect at this immediately or that you will not make mistakes or worse yet, make mistakes in front of people. It's unreasonable. Some things happen and you learn from it. And I wish people would just grasp and hold on to those things mm-hmm. rather than the fear. Because, and as we talk with more, you know, it will come up more, but the fear prevents you from doing a lot. So, you know, when it comes to nerves and everything, you really have to just understand, just understand that you are being unreasonable to yourself if you think that you are expected to be perfect with no training and no practice or nothing, just on the go. It's just not like that. This, this is, you know, what you said is it's actually a perfect <laughs> segue into into my next question because then I was going to mm-hmm. ask you about why do you think you know some people are so afraid of of speaking in public and you mentioned you know the fear of messing up are yes. are there any other fears that yes that you can yeah think of? Mm-hmm. one of the most common things i have heard as a toastmaster and around people who do public speaking and address this issue is this i don't know where this was done i don't know what the statistic is but there was some research done some time ago somewhere that stated when they did surveys with people to find out what their greatest fear was. And apparently, people feared public speaking more than they fear death. Are you serious? Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess because when you die, it's it's over. But then, you know, if 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 you mess up, you you know, you have that memory. You know, you carry oh, that but, memory. With, no, but that's deep. Oh, that, that, that's deep because I mean, death is like it. I it mean, it's final. And then, but the, <laughs> but the other thing about death is 
how you die. So how I die, I'll be, I, I'm, a, you know, I'm concerned about how I'm going to die because, <laughs> you know, when people are afraid of public speaking that much, but that fear is driven by all the other things that I mentioned before. So they're, they're afraid of messing up. They're afraid of the judgment of others. I mean, that is something that is so evident. They're afraid of judge, judgment. They don't want to be judged. Right, they're afraid of all the bad things that can happen. Sometimes it may not be them messing up, but people are you. You are the center of attention. What do you do? Yeah. What do yeah. you do? And I think once people are able to focus on what they are doing, so you're speaking, you're asked to say something, maybe a prayer in front of a million, a hundred people in a room. If you get over that fear, or you look through that fear, and you break it down in a simple way and say that, okay, I have all this attention. What am I here to do? Pray. And you pray and you do it. That's it. But people get caught up with all the other things that they think, you know, are going to happen. They think that the sky is going to open. They think they're going to say something wrong. and, And I'm sure anyone listening who is afraid of public speaking, they can think and tell you every possible bad scenario. They may even have bad stories. And remember what I said about the um about the physical manifestations? Yes. yes. People are also afraid of that because some people, their fear of public speaking manifests itself in different ways. So they sweat, they stutter. So it, it's also it may be a trigger. So public speaking and the fear around it may also be a trigger other things that people are afraid of happening to them so they might start sweating they you know other things might happen and and they're afraid of that because it it leads to something else and of course the fear may may just be a part of a symptom really of other things uh, other traumas that people go through you know uh, in their lives, and some, and so it, it's 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 not always just because oh I don't I, I don't like to speak. There are people who are introverts. All of these things feed into this experience. But I'm happy that I've been able to see people who are coming from very different spaces and circumstances go through a program like Toastmasters, and they completely transform. So I know it's possible. Yes. <laughs> yes. Wow, I, I. I am just really appreciating everything that you're saying, Kevin, because, you know, personally speaking, I, I, I have come to realize that I, I experience social anxiety. Um, so, you know, and it, it, well, it still embarrasses me, but just, just listening to you, um, I feel encouraged that, Mm. that, I can overcome that. And, you know, if there's someone listening and they also have that struggle, you know, they don't have to feel alone and they don't have to feel that, oh, I can never speak in public. You know, we just need to be gentle with ourselves and, you know, get yes. help or, or work, work exactly. with, with groups who can help us. Yes. To, to, yeah. Yes. Uh, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, so, you know, joining joining um, a group like Toastmasters is one way then of overcoming. Yeah, it is um, one way that that fear and gaining confidence. Yes, um, yes, is one way. Yeah, yes. Um, 
so let's let's expand on this some more so mm-hmm. just imagine okay. okay so my next question it it can apply to anyone but mm-hmm. since we're focusing on writers or authors and oral storytellers or or any any creative um who might have to um, speak in public, maybe at a workshop, maybe they have to make a presentation, maybe they have a radio or a TV interview. Right. Um, just imagine a situation in which, you know, that person freezes up. Right. Um, what can they do? How can they handle, for instance, social anxiety in, in such situations? Okay. Well, the first thing I would say, first of all, Um, is going back to the basics. If you are asked to speak on this, on a TV or radio program, if you are asked to address an audience, at the core of what you are being asked to do and why you are being asked to do it is that people, there are people who believe that you are an expert, that you you have a story to tell, you have something to offer, and you have value to give. So that's the first thing. So focus on that. What do I have to give, mm-hmm. right? I think that I think that is important for us to remember because I think uh, what some of the fear, which is misplaced around public speaking and speaking uh, in certain forums and formats like radio and TV, is because people completely misplace why they're doing it. So you are not here, uh, you're not, you're, you have not been called on a program or brought into a space to be ridiculed or, you know, to fail. Right. You have been called to shine and you have been called to share. And there are people who, what you say and how you say it and expressing yourself is important to them. So I think focusing on that, the value that you have to offer is very important as a start right. so that you know that you come with something that is important to deliver. So that's first. I think another, um, in tandem with that, persons need to prepare. Yes. You, you need to be prepared. That's your backup. You need to be prepared. You need to know what it is that you have been, you have to talk about or address. You have to be prepared. So if you're a writer, if you're an author, you're there to talk about your story, uh, some journalists, some some practitioners may give you a brief to tell you what they're going to talk about or give you an idea. You have to prepare. And the other thing is that not every obviously not everyone is able to speak off the cuff. But as creatives, you are expected to have some insider knowledge on what it is that you create. So they're not necessarily going to be asking you trivia. They're asking you about (laughs) what you do. So that self-introspection that is needed to be a part of that conversation about something that you have given birth to is important. So you have to be having this self-talk with yourself, you know, because you have to be able to answer those questions that may come up. Why did I write this? Why did I seek to address this? What in my history caused me to go there? Those are things that you may need to, and, and, and depending on how your process is, questions like this will come up through, throughout what you're doing, or you'll get an opportunity to do it throughout the process of 
editing or rewriting or whatever. So they're asking you things that you should be familiar with. And I think once people are able to focus on that, focus on being prepared and also focus on the why of doing it, they, it, it, it may go far away in helping them to get over the anxiety. Um, in terms of physical things that they can do, uh, something to calm you down is deep breathing. It really helps. It really helps. And deep breathing where uh, the basic, take deep breaths in through your nose, fill your tummy, push it all the way out, fill up your diaphragm, and let it through your mouth. Because that's, and that's the best description I can give because that's the easiest uh, way for some people to do the physical thing. Because many of us breathe, we don't breathe properly. When we say deep breaths, our chest goes up, that's wrong. It really is supposed to be something that you take in, fill your diaphragm, expand, and then you let it back out. And that has a way of truly calming you down. It helps to calm you down. And if this may help somebody, if there is a mantra, if there is something that keeps them grounded, they can either repeat that or read it to themselves. Or if there's music, they can also use that. Because at the end of the day, there are different things that may soothe people. So we have to think about the, the, the physiological things that people can use. So those are some of the things that they can use to help to calm them down. You know, so being prepared and being aware and just finding things that can help you to relax, key to helping with anxiety in those situations. Kevin, I am so happy that you mentioned, especially the the the, the deep breathing and and the mantra. Yes. I yeah. think I think sometimes the breath is is downplayed, and if mm. persons ever realized how vital it, I mean, we we need it to survive. But the breath can can it, it can do so much. And I, I my meditation journey started a little over a year ago, and deep breathing exercises are um, a huge part of it. And it it really has been transformative. You know, so it, it sounds so simple, take deep breaths. But it, uh, they, they have helped, those exercises have been helping me to be aware whenever I'm, I'm breathing in, in a shallow way. Yes. You know, and yes. It's, yes. It's, it's also very calming. Um, yeah you know whenever my anxiety flares up you know deep breathing it it's it can, it's it, hel <laughs> it, it, can, it can help you and it can help to it calm does, you down it yes. does it, it does and even with the mantra um it's 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 very anchoring as as well so i'm so very happy that you mentioned the the, the physiological um those physiological tips Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, wonderful. Um let's touch on some more some more tips like for, okay. for public okay. speaking and, and interview and interviews because you know I know that that's your domain. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um I I I know that uh for a lot of us we, we dread 
we dread interviews you know you're on the spot you're you're in the hot seat whether it's for a job or the tv yes <laughs> i mean with the radio it's 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 not so bad because people are just hearing your voice but still you right. know but especially you know if you're you know if you are on the tv right the whole world can see you um do you have any other public speaking and interview tips um, sure to share? sure definitely all right so when it comes to public speaking my main tip to persons is this use the power of the pause and it's mm -hmm. something that people don't think about in fact we often miss it but in every circumstance in every example of a great toastmasters world championship speech in every example of a great speech that i've heard done by anybody world over they have all utilized the pause in a very powerful way now it's kind of interesting that i'm talking about the pause because coming from a broadcasting background you are told explicitly that listen dead air on radio <laughs> because every second is money. So dead air on radio is bad, but the cause is powerful for speakers. Why? When you are doing a speech, if you need to gather yourself for a moment, and it means that you need to pause, take a moment. Now I'm not saying that you need to stand there for a minute, but hey, some people may need a minute, but <laughs> take, <laughs> take a moment. like. It is important for you to break, take pauses. Now, why is it important? One, pauses help your, it, it gets the attention of your audience. If you are speaking and you have made a point, pause. Because that will allow your audience to focus on what you just said. Yes. Yes. Right? It will give them a moment to say, wait, he said something important. Even if the person wasn't listening, they were like, oh, we stopped talking. What, what did you just say? <laughs> pause. It's important. Uh, sometimes your pause may be involuntary, and because of the reaction from the audience, it may come off as being the most brilliant thing that you do. And we see preachers do this all the time. Mm. <laughs> you know, we, we, we see uh, great speakers do this all the time. But it's important. I think a lot of people, when they're put in a situation to speak publicly, they want to just rush through it, not understanding that in savoring the moment, in pausing, not only does it help them to capture what you're saying, but it lets you, the speaker, look so much more authoritative because you are there owning that moment. You are so comfortable, you are willing to pause for five seconds. It's very impactful. <laughs> yes. So for the world... You are owning that moment. So pausing is very important. And it's something that I have been told, you know, and it has been demonstrated to me in so many ways. The other important reason why pausing is good is because no one can interpret why you have paused unless you tell them. So one of the things that I became very aware of, and as a Toastmaster and someone who is involved in public speaking, you become very aware of, is vocal uh, fillers like ah uh, and um and stuff like that you become very aware of it and you seek to address it and remove it from your speech as much much as possible one of the creative ways to do that is by pausing there's a reason why some of these words are called fillers 
because we are always racing to speak and to say so much at a mile a minute and to just fill all the air, the fillers literally fill the space. So the filler may not be um and ah, uh, it may be like and okay, but that's your filler. It's a crutch word. So you have the little fillers and you have the nonsense syllables and the crutch words. So pauses help you, help to prevent you from utilizing fillers. Mm -hmm. And that's the difference between someone who is assumed to be articulate and someone who is not. Oh. <laughs> someone comes I'm up learning. And, yeah, someone comes up and they're speaking with you and they're like, uh, well, you know, um, <laughs> every other word is an arm. And, you know, you know, like, you know, like, okay, you know, they're doing that and they're saying the most intellectually grounded thing. But you are so distracted by all of that, you write them off. Someone comes up slower, but saying everything in what seems to be a deliberate way without all of those things, they're clapped complete standing ovation and they are deemed to be so profound, so smart and so articulate. And it wasn't until I became a Toastmaster that even half of these things became clear to me. Yeah. I was, it didn't become clear to me until I became a Toastmaster when I would be sitting, I, I do not look at speeches the same way. I do not look at public speakers the same way because the funny thing, though, is that some people are able to use these vocal fillers in creative ways. And the best example for me is Barack Obama. But why? He, but even though he does, he also uses pauses very well. But why Barack Obama uses it so well, and I say well, is because he adds these vocal fillers to make his speech very conversational. I see. Yes, he, he uses them to, to make his speech. So he's like, uh, you know, he uses those to make his speech very conversational, but he's still articulate and he still uses the pauses. So for the public speaking side, the power of the pause, it does all of that. From the interview side, uh, pauses are important, but I think some more basic things need to be there. The, the person being interviewed really needs to listen. That's, that's one of the most important things. Listen. You have to listen and you have to be engaged because at the end of the day, it's a conversation. Now, the other thing, when we're being interviewed on television, people can sometimes get so caught up with the idea that there's a TV and there's a camera. <laughs> Ignore the camera. It's not there. It's not there. You're not a broadcaster. You're not expected to look and read into the camera. Ignore the television. I ignore, the ignore the camera. You're in the radio studio. Ignore the mic as much as possible. And ignore it mean, in as much as you can because really you're supposed to be focusing your mouth on the mic, but ignore it. Focus on who you're speaking with because usually you're having a conversation in the radio, in, in the studio, so ignore the microphone, ignore the camera, and focus on the conversation that you're having. So right now I'm sitting here, I'm having a conversation with you, I'm ignoring, I'm almost ignoring the fact that I'm having this conversation through 
a computer or through a microphone right. because right. I'm so, you know, into the fact that we are speaking. So I think if persons are able to focus on that a lot more, then they will be able to get over some of the jitters that they have with interviews. Because at the end of the day, the journalist, the communicator, whoever is doing this, they're really focused on getting the information that you want to share. And the best type of interviews are those where it's a conversation that flows something that allows them to tell a story. And at the end of the day, that's what it is, a story. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant tips. Amazing. Wow. Ah, <laughs> the power of the pause. <laughs> yeah, the pause. So, you know, now that you have said all of this, you know, Kevin, I, whenever I, I hear a speech, I'm going to be taking note. You know, Please I, do. I, I, I will, you know, Please just, do. just really, um, see how you know see if they apply those tips see yeah. how they apply them yes um it would just be really interesting but you know when you mentioned about um obama he, his 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 speeches are never stuffy or formal they're you know they're very conversational as yes as, as you explained you know yes that that and, and, and i guess that comes through experience you know know. it does it does and the interesting thing about a lot of barack obama's speeches is that they are written for him a lot of times you see him on television he's reading from a teleprompter but you will never get that because he inserts he inserts those familiar vocal cues that let you feel like he's just talking off the top of his head and that is a skill because there's nothing involved there's nothing extemporaneous about what he's doing. He's not making it up as he goes. He's literally reading a prepared speech. He's familiar with what is there, but he's reading up a speech, but, you know, he's there and he deliberately inserts and, uh, you know, uh, and, and he does that because he's able to fool us that, hey, so he, he's going there and he's not reading a speech, he's presenting it. And he puts in everything to let you think that I'm here telling you what's on my heart. Because at the end of the day, you know, the job of that speaker, apart from getting the information out at, at another level, it's to inspire. It's to speak from the heart and it's to present. And the ability to just lift all of that information from paper is, in, is impressive. Yes. And um, I have to ask, um, Oprah's Time's Up speech was that also from a teleprompter? Because it looked as if she was just talking, you know, off, off the top of her head. No, uh, I think from what I understand, no, the good thing, the other thing too is that some of these very brilliant people will oftentimes memorize their speeches. Okay, okay. So, so, so for that speech, no, because how, tele- how the teleprompters work too, um, there are different types. You have some like so uh, the presidents and Barack Obama is one of them. There are some teleprompters that face forward, so you look ahead and you read. So newsreaders do that. However, you have others that you have one on both sides of the person. Oh. So you have the speech being shown on a prompter that is to his left eye line and to his right eye line. So he's there speaking to you, and there may even be three, and he's looking in the audience, and he looks to the left, and he looks to the right, 
he's always seeing his speech. He's reading. <laughs> wow. So, wow. so there's a lot of tricks to the trade that uh, these people are able to use. But at the end of the day, preparation is key because a teleprompter can go at any time. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Okay, so we, we mentioned some very important stages a while ago. I want you to use your imagination, Kevin. If you had yeah. to share a major stage, say on the scale of the Oscars or the Emmys, and you had to share this stage with a celebrity or a public figure you admire, who would be your dream co-presenter? Oh my, oh my. <laughs> This is so easy. This is really easy. Okay. Um, for me, for me, that would be Oprah Winfrey. Wow. <laughs> I just yeah, mentioned that, that, that's, that's easy. Like that would be Oprah. Like no, that would be Oprah. Why? Simple. Um, Oprah is so many things that I both aspire to be and that I see in myself. You know, she's so many. She, so, her, so the uni, so her story is universal. Oprah is this person who was poor and she went through a lot. She was raped and all of that, mm-hmm. and the struggle. Yes, that's universal. We all are trying to overcome and to grow and become something. But I think just how she was able to multiply on everything that was added and given to her, and that she earned and worked for, and she just continues to multiply on that. And her career, I mean, as a broadcaster, love it. She can give a masterclass in broadcasting, storytelling, love that. Yes. And yes. every she, she, the fact that she's also an actress, I love that because there is a certain level of emotional intelligence that she brings to what she does. And I also love that. You know, I also love that because she's able to bring that to, to whatever type of content she's creating and i love that but she's she's my dream co-presenter i i mean to share a stage with her would be the most incredible thing a stage meeting her is one thing sharing a stage presenting something wow wow dream come true i i hope that is true for you i i am going to speak so. into being i'm going to speak into being yes. i'm going to speak it into being speak it into being yeah speak it yes. into being. yeah yeah okay all right. So, um, for those who are who are listening and who are interested in joining the Jamaican or the Caribbean chapter of Toastmasters, how would they contact you for for more information? Okay. So, well, of course, persons can contact me um, at my social media handles. Uh, primarily, Kev to the C, and that's K E V T O T H E C. On Instagram and Twitter. That's me. However, Toastmasters is an international organization. And the wonderful thing about that is that it has all the information about every Toastmasters club anywhere in the world on its website at toastmasters.org. Right? So that's toastmasters.org. And I mentioned that because you, when you go on the site and, you, and one of the big questions it will have is find a club. Mm-hmm. And if you say, okay, find a club and you're looking in a country and you get down to the parish level, you will see all the clubs 
all over Kingston because there are so many. There are a number of clubs all over Kingston. Now, the key differentiator is you have opened, open clubs and closed clubs, meaning that membership for an open, for a closed club is restricted to the persons who work, who work at a certain age. So you have corporate clubs. So my club, for example, at JN is a corporate club. So it's, it's limited to the persons who work there. They're the only ones who can join. However, it doesn't mean you can't visit. So, uh, all, so once you become a member of Toastmasters, you can visit any club anywhere in the world as long as they're meeting. That's the wonderful thing about it because the program is the same. The only differences there may be is language. But other than that, you can visit any club. So at Open Club, you have community-based clubs, and they're, again, all across Jamaica. You can visit and you can join. There is no restriction. You just really need to have a genuine interest and be willing to join the club, uh, pay the fees as necessary, and become a member. And it's a great way to learn more about it. So the website is the best resource because when you identify a club, you will also receive contact information for each, for relevant persons in the club that you can reach out to, to say, I'm interested in this club. So we have had many people who have found JN Toastmasters Club on the website and they have reached out to us and we have either welcomed them and then later introduced them to open clubs that they can join or just find a way to facilitate them. Maybe sometimes people want to actually start a club somewhere where there's not. We also help to facilitate things like that. Wonderful, wonderful. Okay, so do you have any last words for our listeners, Kevin? It, you know, this this has been so rich. You know, I have learned so much from you. I, I hate I hate to let you go, but I <laughs> I, I I I know I know that um can't keep you here can't keep you here on the show forever but do you have any but do you have any last words for our listeners sure i i do i and i think it's really about it's a it's a general thing about our life and how we choose to live and it's something that i am grappling with in in a way something and i'll just tell you a story there's something that i was supposed to do at work over the past week that I kept shying away from getting done because I was apprehensive, scared, you know, I was like, oh, you know, I don't want to do this. Mm. And I saw a quote last night and the quote said, if you do not ask, the answer will always be no. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is truth. That is truth right there. But but, but, but but stick a pin, you know, as as we would say here in Jamaica. Um some people are afraid to ask because they are afraid to hear no. No, but yes. but, but but I I I love I love um I love what I I love what what you said, you know, um yeah. that we you know, if you don't ask, the the answer the answer would always be no. But that shouldn't really stop us from, from right. From, from in asking. fact, 
In in fact, um, that's actually a paraphrase of what I heard because I, I've heard that before. But the one that I the, the, it was a tweet, and I and I and I saw it, and it actually said something close to that, but in a different way. Mm-hmm. I'm going to read the exact thing to you. Okay. It said, "They can't say yes unless you ask. So type up an email or pick up the phone." And I swear that hit me mm-hmm. because. Yeah. It is like it was the message that I needed to receive because there was something for me to do. But I also say that to say when it comes to addressing this fear of public speaking or any other developmental thing that we know that we have earmarked for ourselves, we really need to put a foot forward in effort and in faith in trying to address it. Because if we don't, then we'll never know what happens. So if I'm sitting there, I'm like, oh, I'm afraid to speak public speaking. And I don't know. And we don't try to do anything. We will never know what the outcome is. We'll never know what will come of it. And I've been so happy to see people that I've known in Toastmasters really build their confidence, confidence, get over their fear and do a lot a lot to really grow themselves beyond wherever they were. Yes. You know, especially with Toastmasters because it's the fear, it's the lack of confidence and just the lack of focus on where they are. I think we give ourselves so little credit for what we are able to accomplish and I think that we don't reward ourselves for the small steps that we are able to take. And even... If it means that you are afraid, the the typical story in Toastmasters is this. The person joins, they join the club, and they sit at the back for a month. And as they progress and they get used to, they sit closer up until they become more involved, until they are president and they are the best speakers. (laughs) You know, so it starts somewhere, but you have to thank, you really have to congratulate yourself when you are able to step a little bit over a barrier that you had. Because those are the little things that will help you to grow and go beyond where you are. So if it's one thing I need to leave with people listening today, it is that to get over that thing that you want to get over, you have to make a first step. Yes. And and don't be afraid to ask, you know, whether it is oh, yes. a question or Definitely. to ask for help. Yeah. Because, yes. you know, you just, yeah. might, you just might hear that, yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so, and sometimes the question is, it, it is not even a question, but more an action that you have to take. Yes. You know, yes. May, maybe doing this will help you to get over that fear, which will then bring your life into a completely different place. Mm. You know, it, it may take your life in a completely different direction. So maybe the question is not a literal question, but it's something that you have been unwilling to to get over because you were afraid. And the, the, the and, and again, this is from a, per, a personal space for me. We are sometimes not just afraid of failure, but afraid of the thing actually working out. And we self-sabotage, you know, with that. We're, we're actually afraid of the thing working out. That, we're afraid that, that, of that, that, that. That is so deep. <laughs> so that, deep. That, just, yeah. that just, you know, that just, 
I just felt like my head just smiled <laughs> a while ago. It's a thing. Trust me, it's a thing. We are we, we yeah, it's a thing. We some we, we are afraid of the thing. We, we're not so much afraid of the thing not working. Some of the times we are literally afraid of it working, and it's not something that we consciously. It's not something that we consciously pull apart and try to deal with, but it's something that holds people back. You know, suppose this works. Suppose it works. I can't, what, what would I do? I can't deal with all. Oh. So we, we, we need to acknowledge and be honest about those things because, hey, you know, so answering the question has many implications. Yes. <laughs> Asking yeah. the question has many implications. And it's really a matter of how we prepare ourselves to deal with all of them. <laughs> well, Kevin, you have dropped so much wisdom, so many invaluable tips. I, wow, you know, thank you so much. Honestly, I, it, all that you have said, it, it has, it has helped me. And I, I know that for those who are listening, that it's yeah. going to benefit them. Thank you so, so much. Well, thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. <laughs> and for and for our listeners, thank you for joining us. Check out the show notes at nadinetomlinson.com slash podcast for details in this episode. Kevin and I would love to hear from you. So drop us a line or two in the comments. I'll be back next week with a new episode. And until then, subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss a thing. And remember, stay creative and keep that flame alive.